We were discussing in the Kuzri, I explained uh, how we understand physical references to Hashem in terms of they don't interfere, they don't contradict the principle, the Ikha, that HaKadosh Baruch is the Sherish. Uh, in Rufni and doesn't have a physical representation. There's one more question that Kuzari wants to ask. This is really something he spoke about previously at the very beginning of the Sefer. But like we can see it was something which obviously affected him a lot, which is why he keeps repeating the same question. And that is, just as an introduction, the worldview of the philosophers, which as you saw at the beginning, had a certain impact on the king. And that is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, or what they call creator, is something which is completely abstract. We can't apply anything which can change. Because in their understanding, uh, perfection means something unchangeable. And if that's the case, anything which is subject to change or could act in different ways is not perfection. And if that's the case, what they asked then was that what we do can't, so to speak, change the way Hashem acts, because that means Hashem can change. And Hashem doesn't change. That was the starting point of the argument of the philosophers. But there's a bigger question. Change like change his mind. Change his mind, change the way he acts, whatever it's going to be. And if something perfect, will always be the same. It's, that, it's un- unchangeable. So how can you say that HaKadosh Baruch Hu responds and acts based on how people act? Because that shows that Hashem is subject to change. Isn't it a passage that speaks passion? Just like the passage says that, it says in the Bible, Hashem, Adam That we see that there's also a concept that Hashem so to speak, regretted, if you can say such a word. He was sad that he made people. And that, Chazal famously, when Rashi brings up the spot, that uh, it says that uh, the Ashibekiva, the Roman Ashibekiva, does Hashem change his mind? This was the starting point of philosophy. We'll come to the answer in a minute. First, let's explain the question. The starting point was that Hashem is unchangeable, and therefore our actions can't affect him. Because if he's going to change based on our actions, that means Hashem is changeable. That was uh, the question, and the, therefore, the philosophers took us to the conclusion that Hashem doesn't care about a person's actions, he's not going to change because of that. Which is best and clear. That's uh, because that means that uh, a person's choice or decisions of right or wrong are meaningless. Because it's not going to change anything anyway. Okay, that was one of the mistakes with the philosophers, which was already discussed previously. But there's a bigger problem here. And uh, that is a, a corollary of that same argument that the philosophers had the second issue is going to be, and that is, does Hashem have a rotten? Because the concept of a rotten is something which, which is wanted. If a person's rotten, it's something he wants. And uh, if that's the case, so how can Hashem, so to speak, have something he wants? Which means, if it, he wanted, it would happen. So it would be there. So uh, by us, let's say, as finite human beings, we can have things we want and haven't yet achieved or we haven't, aren't able to achieve. But, how, but by Hashem, how can we define it as a want? If it's meant to be, it'll be. And it'll always be. Because Hashem doesn't change. Hashem doesn't, at a certain stage, just start, start to want something. If it was there, it was always there. If it was always there, it should have already been fulfilled. So how do you explain the concept of Hashem wanting something? It, it, it's that doesn't change. Hashem doesn't change. His Hashem shouldn't change. And if His Hashem shouldn't change, then whatever the goal was should always have been the goal, which means it should have been the reached goal already. And now where does this translate from, from the abstract philosophy into the Lemaise? And the, the way that it's brought down is the, there's a saying of Hashem Rehmuni Makaidman of Yosef Ergus, where he brings the question to the Lemaise. And that is, if that's the case, 
How can we explain that there's a certain point in time when the world was created? Because does that mean that before then Hashem didn't want the world? And that's actually did. It doesn't make sense. Hashem doesn't change. And then what does it mean? Hashem always wanted a world. If that's the case. You can't give it a time limit. It was always there. And this was a part of the confusion which came from this understanding of philosophy. And that is that Hashem is, doesn't change. And if Hashem doesn't change, whatever he wanted, he always wanted. Which means he always had. Because nothing's stopping him achieving what he wants. So why did the world only come around at a certain stage? Hashem preceded that. Then the world should precede it too. Uh, maybe we not, but philosophers did. And because of this question, they came up with the mindset that Adam Kadman, which means the world has to have always been here. Because if, if we're going to posit that Hashem wants the world, then Hashem always wants the world. The world always was. So this is all part of the question, which is, we addressed tangentially at the beginning of the Sefer when he spoke to the philosopher. Um, he didn't answer the questions then, like we explained. Rabbi Halevi's approach isn't to fight the philosophers, it's to avoid the questions. As opposed to the Rambam, there were different approaches, like we explained then, that Rishonim took, how to deal with the philosophers. But in the he's going to bring up the point again now, and once again, you're going to see that Avila Alev is going to deflect the question, not answer it. And therefore, the Kozari says, we're holding in Maim Rashani, Ois Hei, and he says, Amar Kozari, Emar Shetahei Nisam Karamidas, Ashra Nishai Bibi. You can say that Hashem isn't uh, based on Midas, which means different attributes or different uh, qualities. And then we have a problem of Hashem, so to speak, being split between different ways he acts. We understand it's not Hashem, it's why he's choosing to act. That he can't explain. But what are you going to do to take away the problem of the fact that Hashem wants something? That you consider the fact that Hashem does want things. And philosophy says that Hashem can't want things. So you can talk about Hashem doing, Hashem acting, Hashem seeing, Hashem hearing, like we spoke about before. What are you going to do about the fact that Hashem wants? Because that's something which is more intrinsic than just an action. And you can explain the action in the fact that Hashem wants it in the spiritual sense, not the physical sense. Hashem can see, but it's not a physical sense. Okay, you can accept that. But what are you going to say about Hashem wanting? Wanting, in terms of philosophy, the, the, the underlying point that if you want something, means it's not, it's not something you have, or it's something which can change. So how does it apply to Hashem? So let's see how the Rabbi Rabbi answers it. We are already close to the answer, that's all you're asking me. In other you could have asked much more, like we said. The, the, the derivative of this concept that Hashem doesn't have a chayfet is that Hashem couldn't have chosen a certain time to make the world because always had to be there. And Hashem can't make things he wants with a certain change because if you want them, you'd always have had them. So he said, it's a good thing you aren't asking me there. If all you're asking is what does it mean that Hashem wants, it's really easier to answer you. Like I said, it's, it's the same shit that Rabbi Yudalai didn't want to answer the question. He wants to avoid it. So here also, he just put it into the words of the Chacham, how to avoid the question. And what does he say? Neymarai. What are you going to say? It's my philosopher. philosopher. We see that the Maisa, the world moving. We have the, 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 the cycle of the planets, we have the solar system, the Galgala Elyon, Nois Yaakov, the Ein Malkam Le. There's a system which we see in constant movement, whether it's the stars, the planets, they're circulating each other. The Ein Tzirbet Nosei, it never moves off the, 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 so to speak, the elliptic, the circle it's meant to follow, the track it's meant to, it's meant to repeat. Is that a contradiction in Malkam Le, Ein Tzirbet Nosei? 
Ein Lachim Lai means it, it's it does, fixed there's no fixed place, but it's not staying still. But when it goes in a circle, or the ellipsis really, it keeps going around in the same track again and again. It has a fixed orbit, right? Now, what, what makes it happen? What makes it happen? We have, in other words, if something is meant to be a constant, like the philosopher wants to explain, the thing should remain still. That's a constant. Mashaengen, if you're going to see things which are always moving, so then what is the point of that? Why do you have a system which is always in movement? Now let's just explain a little bit more what he wants to get to. It hasn't yet explained his arguments. He says, Akadar Aritz Merkaz Aimedim Seisabin Blinitsiavarasiva. As the the world stays in the middle point without moving anywhere. But Visham Sidirakal Amashwalav Mehakamus Vayasatmanas. In the world everything is set up in a way which is needed for the to maintain the ecosystem, the planet, the natural life of the planets of the world. You can't get out of admitting this point, which he means. What's the point that you have to admit? That there's a system in place which runs. And whether the system is the system of astronomy, we have the stars and the planets and the various uh, heavenly bodies orbit each other, or there's a physical system, how things here on planet Earth work and grow and uh, the rainfall and the, and the condensation, the evaporation cycle or whatever it is, the various ecosystems in place, you can't deny that there's a system in place where things happen. It's not a fixed, so to speak, a world, a frozen world that nothing moves. It's a system where things keep happening. And that's for sure. You can't argue with that. And what does he want to say with that? He wants to say, so, uh, again, going back to the starting point, which he already said before, uh, something can't create itself. Like he's going to say in the next line, you know, things can't create themselves. If that's the case, it was created to be part of a, of a system. And now here's the question. And this is the, the argument against the philosopher, which is the point he wants to address right now. Where is the system leading to? If you have a fixed point where the planets, where the world's meant to be, so you build it in its perfect state, leave it there. What's the point of building systems? In other words, just to have something going around the system meaninglessly again and again, what's it achieving? Right? So if you have an end point you want the world to get to, Create an endpoint. If you can choose, if, if, if the rotten is fixed, that means that whatever she wants to be, that will already be. So create the world in its fixed point. What's the point of a world which is a repetitive cycle? If the only point of that is the repetitive cycle, there's no talus in that. And therefore, there must be that the world's created because it has to get somewhere. So the cycle is just a system of stages of getting to a certain point. Right, there's no point, again, let me explain the argument, the logic of what he's saying. There's two, two stages to the logic. The first step is, if there was a fixed end point for the world to be at, right, then, and the concept is that Akash doesn't change anything. What he wants, that's what it is. Then the world should have been created at its final stage, its end point. And if we see a system in place, which means things keep moving, that obviously isn't the end point. Why? Because it's not logical to say that the end point is the system itself. What's the point? What's the point of having a system which is just repetitive? It's going around and around in circles, not doing anything. If this is, if you've got to the stage you wanted to get to, then leave it like that. If it has to keep going around and around and around, what's the point? It must be that it's not just repeating itself, it's getting somewhere. If that's the case, you're also admitting that there's a point that it has to get to. And if that's the case, you're also admitting that the world didn't start off in a place where it was meant to end. There's a process in place. Why? Because the way that it starts off from the original Bria of the world is within a system which is created in order to work, in order to run, in order to get somewhere. Right? And I'm just going to give you a frame of reference to what he means. 
Right. When we're talking, we're going to talk about later on in the Sefer and Stamina of the concept of Olam Abba, or to a lesser extent, the concept of Ganeden. Right. We don't talk about things changing. Things are the way they are, and they say, okay, the Netzach Hatzachim. This idea of constant change doesn't apply because you've reached the end point. That's where it's meant to be. That's where it will remain. That doesn't mean that a person can't achieve more, enjoy more, and appreciate more. This, that maybe yes, but the world doesn't have to move anywhere. There's no concept of, of planets moving or whatever it is. There's no concept of of constant change. On the contrary, that's where it's meant to be. That's where it will remain. The idea of something moving is because it's part of a system. It's part of a cycle. And, that, and therefore, when it gets to the end point, you no longer need the cycle. It, the the, the, the tachlis isn't the cycle. It's, the cycle is a way of working towards something. Right, so if we, the world's here, just, let's use our frame of reference now. If the world's here, as you know, for 6,000 years, and there has to be a system of time which is getting towards the 6,000 years. Right? But that means there's a starting point and there's an end point and there's a process which we're going through. Okay. Says, says the, the Chacham to the philosopher, he says, how do you explain that the world is created with a process in place? Why do you need a process? If the end point is perfect, it starts off perfect and it should start off perfect at its final, at its final point and remain. Why do you need a process? Now, let's just give you a little example to this idea. And that is that wasn't so different to how the world originally was created, right? The Gemara says that the world was created in the pasuk called Swam. Melame the whole mass was which means in its perfect form. Every plant, every animal, even human being was created as an adult. Everything was created in its final form, and nothing had to change and move and develop. It all, it all, it all was created the way that it was meant to be, or in its most perfect state. It was only as a result of the world not not maintaining that state, then it has to go through a process of trying to go through all the various stages to get back there again. Right? So it's understood that if, if HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to create the world at its final point, so then he can. There's no reason to create a world which has to take time to develop. I'm going to say this as an aside, because this is an argument that Kazari gave before for something else. Uh, and we spoke about it then at the beginning of the Sefer, I'm just going to repeat it briefly. And that is the whole argument about how old the world is. Because yeah, I already explained before, it's not a question. Because it's true, you can look at uh, things and see that they look very old, and you're going to say that's much more than the time given to the Torah from Asperger's. And the reason is, is because they were created not at their starting point, they were created in their finish point. So, for example, in the third day of the Brewer, Hashem creates trees. Yeah, so there's a tree. Now, if you're going to come on the fourth day of the Brewer and say, how long is the world living for? So it must be a really long time, because there's a tree. Now, I know these trees. These trees take 50, 70, 80 years to grow. So the world's been around for 80 years. No, you're wrong. It's been around for exactly three days. Oh, but you have trees. You're looking at it as if you had to start from the beginning and plant the seed and develop the tree. It's going to take a long time. And if you're going to have to lay down the mountains based on uh, carbon deposits or whatever it's going to be, it's going to take millions of years. But Hashem didn't have to start from the beginning. He started at the end. He created the tree. He created the mountains. He created everything in the way he wanted it to be. So you can't work a system backwards and say, well, based on what we understand, how long does this take to develop? It never started from the beginning. It started from the end. So the, the, the basic, the, the, this was the Kuzari's own argument at the beginning to explain the, the, the timeline of the Torah. Right. Now, the, to, to, to elaborate on this on a conceptual basis, that's what he's saying here also. What he's saying here also is that we, we can't work with HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanting to create things at a starting point because they had to start at a starting point. They didn't have to. Hashem created them at the end point. Okay, and according to the philosopher, it should have been like that because Hashem doesn't want something which He can't do. That's what Hashem wanted, the final point, start at the final point. He didn't, didn't, didn't need stages. 
Okay, so why isn't the world there? Why, is it, why do we still see things developing and changing in the world? Why didn't, why didn't it stop this final point? And therefore it says, Al-Koch philosopher, you see that it's not true. Your argument's not true. The idea that Hashem doesn't change and He doesn't want something which, he hasn't, which isn't already there. Right? Because if, 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 if then Hashem should have just wanted the end point, then it would already be there. Or it would, or it would have always been there. And there would be no mark for anything to move, anything to change. And therefore, we have to understand that there is a concept of a Kodesh Baruch Hu wanting a system. Not just wanting the end. Now again, like you see here also like the time before, he doesn't debate the philosophy of it. He goes aside with it. He proves, you see that the things aren't in their final form, it must be Hashem wants the system too. We don't just say Hashem wants the end, the, 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 the perfect, perfect stage, and that's where we're going to be. You see, it's not like that. And therefore he says, we're going to, when we, we, since things don't create themselves, we see from the creation of the world that there was this principle in place. When we talk about the fact that Kodesh Baruch could make himself heard, when he said that Sarah is or what he said could be written when it got inscribed in the Luchas, you can call Hashem once, or Hashem wants, is making something known to people, however you want to call it, it doesn't make a difference. The point is that Kodesh Baruch can decide to do something at a certain stage, and it's going to happen then. And then again, part of the, the, the philosophy of the philosophers is there's no mukham for mukham for Because that means reaction to a certain circumstance. Right? It should always be there, it should, always, or it should never be there. Hashem doesn't change. And that's the case, it's not like terror, because what? Hashem now decides to do something he didn't do before. So he says, yes, just like we see that the world changes, we see that Akhadosh Baruch does decide right, to do things now which weren't done before and maybe won't be done again. So you call it Chayfetz, call it Hashem's Dibur, which is the same idea that Hashem now chooses to speak and say something. But the Maisa, we see that it exists, and therefore, and therefore, it, what, the philosopher, what the king asked, that uh, you have to ascribe to HaKadosh Baruch the fact that he can want something, is true. Hashem can want something. Now, that's the, so he's, he's the, yeah. But that's the argument, Hashem didn't know. Hashem doesn't change what he wants. And therefore, there's, no, there's nothing, nothing can change when Hashem runs the world or Hashem dies or anything else. Hashem is unchangeable, which is also the way Hashem acts. And uh, what the Chacham has said basically is, is that if that would be true, there would be no Sarva Inesh, there would be no Nava, there would be no, would be no Bria Saina. It argues with every single acre in the Torah. And therefore, he says it's not true. Right? Hashem didn't create things in the final set as he wanted them to be, and, the, and the, that they always were like that. It's not true. Now, what is the answer to the question of philosophers? Hashem isn't changeable. Right? That we'll still see. He, has, he doesn't want to answer it now, which is why he deflected it a second time, but the is going to come back again. The king hasn't forgotten about it. When you get to the Shah Shlishi, which is a more, more advanced argument stage, then he's going to come back, and then the Kazari will discuss in more detail.